Hey guys, welcome to Big Church Online. We are so excited that you've joined us today. If you're looking for any sermons or words of encouragement, you've come to the right place. While you're here, please subscribe, like, comment, share. That way you can stay up to date and help others find it as well. Now, let's get this week's sermon in progress. We are entering the most emotional week in history. It was emotional when Jesus was born, but how much more emotional is Holy Week? You may have on your mind now, I've got to get all my kids' Easter baskets ready. You may have on your mind, what am I going to wear for Easter whiteout? You may have on your mind, uh, what am I cooking for Easter dinner? Mm. Pastor Rich is ready for some ham. Um, And you may be wondering, who am I going to invite next week? Do I even have 10 friends to invite? (laughs) But, and how am I going to get them there? But have you ever wondered what was going through Jesus' mind beginning this day of this week so many years ago? You know, he was all God, right? But he was all man. So this Holy Week and all of our busyness, getting things ready, decorating the church, doing all the things, I want you every day to get in the Gospels and walk with Jesus. Put yourself in his shoes and what he might have been feeling. How was he feeling? What was going through his mind? My biggest desire for this week is that we walk into it with our hearts wide open. Because when our hearts are wide open, he can speak to us and through us. I want to preach a message today titled Emotional. Come on, ladies, you know what I'm talking about. Emotional. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today. God, we are just so blessed and honored that you sent your only son to die a horrific death so that we could live in eternity with you. God, I thank you for free will. I thank you that you don't push yourself on us, but you allow us to make a decision to follow you. Thank you that you are God with us always. Today, Lord, I pray that you help me to preach it the way you spoke it to me. And God, that you would use your word and and the events of this week to grab a hold of our hearts so that you can change our lives. We give you all the praise and glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to ask you, imagine that you are in the glory days of your life. Do y'all remember when those were? (laughs) You had it all together. You were doing your thing. People loved you. They looked up to you. They sat at your feet and hung on your every word. They loved to hear your voice. But in an instant, it all shifted. Some of the people are threatened and jealous of you. Some are peer pressured to think differently about you than what they know. And some are just not nice people. You're lied on, 
you're tortured, you're denied and rejected by one of your closest friends, and you are betrayed by someone that you would have called best friend. That was Jesus. He was all man and he felt every emotion. That's why he can relate to us so much. The only difference with Jesus is he didn't sin. He didn't want revenge. Come on, somebody. He felt what we felt, and I'm sure he didn't even act on his confused emotions. Most people only look at the physical effects. How many of you guys have seen the Passion of the Christ, and you're like, wow. But today, I want us to look at every aspect and the emotional side so that we can see what Jesus truly went through for us. He understands your every hurt. He understands every time your heart was broken because his heart was broken. He understands your abandonment and rejection because our world was so broken then and it's still so broken now. So I want to walk you through the emotions of Jesus in the last week of his life. On Palm Sunday, and write these down, you know, you go to heaven if you take notes. Just saying. So take these notes because I'm not reading all of the gospels to you. I'm going to cover bits and pieces through all the gospels, but my challenge to you is for you to go dig it out this week so that you can walk with Jesus and the emotions that he went through. But on Palm Sunday, we read in John 12 that the news broke out that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. They were announcing that the King, the Messiah, is coming. People were shouting, Hosanna, glory to God in the highest. And they were treating him like the royalty he was, King Jesus. And they began to take their coats and they began to take the palms and they put it out in front of him. They began to take their coats and they began to take their palms and they put it out on the road in front of Jesus so that it let people know that who was coming to town was royalty. People were excited and they loved Jesus. That day was full of joy. But on the very next day, Jesus entered the temple and his emotion went from joy on Palm Sunday to anger. In those days, you guys, you had to, you could not go to Jesus, to, to, to God and pray in Jesus' name because Jesus hadn't died for us yet. In those days, you would have to take specific sacrifices so that the priest could go into the temple and pray for your forgiveness for you. And listen to Mark 11. 
says, when they arrived back in Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple and he began to drive out the people buying and selling animals for sacrifice. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. And he stopped everyone from using the temple as a marketplace. You see, Jesus didn't like the people were being lazy with their sacrifice. It was so much easier for them to go into the temple to the thieves and the money changers and say, here, I'll take a bloody animal and I don't have to do any work. I'll just buy it from you. You've already gone and done the work. And Jesus was like, oh, heck no. And he took the tables and he flipped them over. And he said, we are not having any of that. This is a house of prayer. Those people wanted all that God could do for them without any sacrifice on their part. It was so much easier for them to show up and buy it than to gather it on their own. Kill it. Kill it and bring it to the altar. They wanted all that God could do for them, but without any cost to them. But isn't that how we are sometimes? We want the pastor, our crew leader, our inner healing and deliverance team. Will you just pray it off of me, preach it off of me, counsel it off of me? I need you to do it for me because I'm not willing to do anything with my own life. I don't want to kill anything. I want you to do it for me. It just doesn't work like that. So I've got news for the church today that it doesn't work like that. The prayer team can pray for you and agree. Your inner healing and deliverance team can pray things and break things. But it's up to you, baby, to walk it out. It is a process and you've got to do your part. There are some things in our lives that we need to kill and put on the altar today. And listen, just like the money changers tempted them to take the easy way out and charge them way more than what those sacrifices were worth, God, the enemy put sin in our path that costs us way too much and there's nothing on the other side. It's empty. For a momentary pleasure, God has given you and God has given I the ability to kill anything in our lives that doesn't make his heart happy. But we got to want it bad enough and we got to do our part. You have to stay in that process. Jesus said in Mark eleven seventeen, he said to them, the scriptures declare my temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you've turned it into a den of thieves. They had it all messed up. And listen, Jesus had to get angry. 
He had to flip over the tables to clear the lazy, half-hearted, woke sacrifices that people were wanting to bring. Because he was about to become the ultimate sacrifice. Emotional, right? So we've seen joy and we've seen anger. And I know people think anger is a sin, but the Bible tells us that you can be angry, but sin not. Y'all, righteous anger is okay. And, I, and I'll just tell you some food for thought. I get angry when people do people the wrong way. I get angry when people sow seeds of discord. I get angry when people are in rebellion. I get angry. I get angry when I do that. But if we put ourselves as a living sacrifice, the Holy Spirit will convict our hearts and we can change that, right? And we can get angry in all of that as long as we do not sin. Everything's good then. But then on Thursday, Jesus wanted to celebrate Passover with his disciples. It's what was called in the Bible the Last Supper and what we call today communion, where uh, we gather and take Jesus' body and blood. And we're going to be doing that at the end of service today. So if you'll turn to Matthew 26, I want to read beginning in verse 20. It says, when it was evening... Jesus sat down at the table with the 12. While they were eating, he said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. Greatly distressed, each one asked in turn, am I the one, Lord? He replied, one of you who has just eaten from this bowl will betray me. For the son of man must die as the scriptures declared long ago. But how horrible Terrible it will be for the one who betrays him. It would be far greater that for that man if he had never been born. And Judas, the one who would betray him, also asked, Rabbi, am I the one? And Jesus told him, you said it. Can you imagine the pain and the heartbreak Knowing that the very one who's going to betray you and stab you in the back is in your inner circle. Here's what I loved and thought was so beautiful. But Jesus knew it because he knew everything, but he still invited everyone. Everyone to the table. Everyone, even the one that I know you're going to betray me. Even the one that, Peter, you're one of my three closest friends and you're going to deny me not once, not twice, but you're going to deny me three times what you're invited. That's emotional. And let me tell you, you cannot be betrayed by your enemies. You can only be betrayed by those that are close to you. I don't know about you, but I don't want those people at my table. I don't want fake friends. I don't want backstabbing friends that are going to walk away from my table. But Jesus was perfect. 
and he taught us something. He demonstrated to us that you can still love and accept every single person. You can accept the ones that do you wrong. The ones that don't have your back or stab you in the back. He also taught us that we can even accept the ones that are trying to get other people thinking differently about us. Jesus knew Judas would one day be exposed and we can take his lead in that, that people that do the wrong thing, it's in the Bible. People are known by their fruit. Your fruit will always find you out. Always. So no worries. Just love and accept. So it makes me wonder, knowing what Jesus went through, what was going through his mind. I'm sure he felt confused, right? What? I've spent the last three years of my life day in and day out with you and you're going to betray me? I'm sure he was confused. I'm sure he was hurt by the, the, the rejection and I'm sure he felt abandoned. Everyone left him but God. And before he would be arrested, he took his three closest, Peter, James, and John, and he said, come go with me to the Garden of Gethsemane. We're going to pray. And he asked them to stay awake and pray while he was praying. And in Matthew 26, it says, he told them, my soul is crushed with grief. Okay, Jesus, what do you need? That's, that would be what I'd say. If, if somebody comes to you and say, my soul is crushed with grief, are you not going to be there for them? My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little further and bowed his face to the ground, praying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet. I want your will to be done, not mine. In, those, in that, those verses, we see the humanity of Jesus. He did not want to go through what he knew he was about to go through. He knew it was going to be painful. He knew it was going to be agonizing. But he replied, not my will, but yours be done. Luke twenty two forty four says, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. What do we do when we're in agony? Do we pray more earnestly or do we go tell our friends to get them on our side? Do we go and whine and complain or do we pray to the best friend that we could ever have more earnestly? You guys, Jesus truly did not want to go to the cross. We read that he was begging and pleading, please, God, don't let me have to go through this. And then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. Emotional. Sometimes I have to know, many times I have to check myself because I don't want to get up early and pray. I don't want to get up early and do my devotional before I have a busy day. There are times that I don't want to do it. And you know, there are some people that can't even get in his house, 
Like, it's a big chore to be here. And then we see some people that we can't give up our own ones for his mission. And we can't even deny ourselves sometimes to serve him with our life. The Bible says that we were the joy set before him. We, we were the joy set before him. And yet was so much greater than what he was going to have to go through. The disciples couldn't even stay awake, like he asked. And right there in the garden, they arrested him. After he had just had the conversation with, the, with God, they came and they arrested him and they took him out to be tried. Pilate asked Jesus, are you the king of Jews? Jesus replied, it is as you say. And at the feast every year, they would always release a prisoner. So they Pilate said, who would you like to release, Jesus or Barabbas? And Barabbas had right, he had a right to be in prison. Jesus didn't. But the priests and elders had convinced the people. Y'all tracking with me? Are you going where I'm going? They convinced the people that Jesus was the one that should Die, not Barabbas. Can we let that sink in for a minute? So they let Barabbas go and have Jesus be killed. Now I want everybody to close your eyes. No peeking. Because I want you to imagine yourselves in Jesus' shoes. They took Jesus and they tied his arms to a post so he couldn't escape the pain. And they began lashing his body with a whip tipped in lead. They would crack the whip on his back again and again and again until his skin was slashed, torn, and hanging open. His face was beaten so badly that his eyes were so swollen he could barely see. Then they put a scarlet robe on him and made a crown of thorns, bowing down to him, making fun and mocking him. They even spit on him. Such disrespect, such dishonor. And Jesus still didn't say a word. They began to shout, crucify him. Louder and louder, crucify him. To my Jesus, crucify him. I cannot imagine. Open your eyes. Then they took Jesus away and put the cross over his bloody, ripped shoulder. And they made him carry the cross up the hill to Golgotha. But partway up, he was beaten so badly and struggling to carry his cross that a watching bystander was moved by compassion, and he helped him carry it up the hill. He would lift his eyes and make eye contact with the people watching him struggle to carry the cross. And we don't know what he was thinking. We don't know if he was looking people in the eye going, help, I can't do this. 
Or was he looking at people in the eye saying, you are worth it. The Bible says in Isaiah 53, 5, but he was wounded for our transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. He did all that for our rebellion. He did that for all of our sin. He did that for our healing. He took every stripe for any kind of healing you need. If it's in your body, if it's in your mind and you're struggling with depression and anxiety, he took the stripes so you don't have to do that. Now, he gave us doctors and wisdom and don't hear what I'm not saying. And he also took the stripes for our healing of our broken heart. You don't have to carry it. He took the stripes for it. And when he was on the top of the hill, they laid him over the cross and began to drive the wooden spikes in his hand and feet. And they hung him high and they stretched him wide. Y'all, he could have called 10,000 angels to get him off that cross. He could have removed himself. Emotional. He could have wanted revenge. But he chose to endure it all for you and me. We were the joy set before him. Then... He looked up to heaven and he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And John 19.30 says, Jesus said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. And at 12 noon, to three o'clock, the world went dark. It was the middle of the day and the world went dark. You wanna hear something crazy? When Jesus was born, at midnight, there was light. And there wasn't supposed to be light at midnight. But when Jesus died, the world went dark. At 12 noon, and it's not supposed to be dark. At 12 noon. Emotional. Emotional. Our friend, Pastor John Teal, shared a quote this week uh, by John Stott, and I was like, oh, it hit me. And I, he, he shared it at the beginning of the week, and it just helped prepare me all week. You know, I, I, I had my uh, uh, Jessica, my intercessor, pray for me before service today uh, because this whole week I've just felt overwhelmed and out of sorts. I told Pastor Rich, I said, you know, he asked me how I was doing one day. I was like, just pray. I just have this weight. So listen to this quote by John Stott. It says, before we can begin to see the cross as something done for us, 
we have to see that it was something done by us. We, your sin and my sin, put Jesus on the cross. I'm the reason he had to be beaten. I'm the reason that he, he had to carry the cross. I'm the reason. They don't hang people on a cross to crucify them with nails. But because of me and my sin and because of you and your sin, they had to do that. It was for our sin, past, present, and future, by us. Jesus had to endure all this. But Jesus decided, even though he went through all the emotions, the joy, the, the, the defeat, the revenge, the, the betrayal, the anger, the pain, the agony, he decided to be our sacrifice. He decided you are worth dying for. And my question today to you, is he worth living for? This whole week, I want you to ask yourself, Jesus, are you worth living for? And does my life reflect that? As Real Talk Kim said this week, there will always be a Peter to deny you, a Judas to betray you, a Pilate to crucify you, but don't you worry. They can't stop your destiny. Just like Pilate and the devil could not stop Jesus's destiny. And so as they dim the lights and you stand, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. And I want you to contemplate that question right now. Are you worth living for Jesus? You may have never surrendered your life to Jesus. And you know what? You can make that choice today. The Bible says that today is a day of salvation. And all you have to do is believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. It's saying, yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. If that's you today, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. And if you've already surrendered your life to Jesus, I want you to pray it with us. Say, dear Jesus, I'm emotional. I want to give my life for you. Thank you for enduring the cross for me. Please forgive me and set me on a path of freedom. In your precious name, I pray, amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you're looking for more information or resources, you can visit mybigchurch.com or follow us on social media at mybigchurch. We love you guys. See you soon.